Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Vlakis and I'm an expert certified fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, a multiple award-winning virtual fertility and pregnancy nutrition clinic serving thousands from around the world and of course, the host of this pod, Fertility Friendly Food. This podcast is dedicated to all things health and nutrition in the world of fertility, reproductive health, and pregnancy. Each week, I bring you practical snack-sized episodes to help improve your lifestyle on your trying-to-conceive journey, alongside guest expert interviews to help inspire you to learn and grow whilst you grow your family. Welcome back. I am back and doing a bit of a follow-up from last week's episode. I am going to be talking about trying to conceive in your 40s. Last week, we discussed TTC in your 30s. So naturally, the next decade is the 40s. So for today's episode, it's a little audio guide. For those of you who are wanting to try to conceive in your 40s, whether it's your first time or your third time, this is relevant to you. I cover the key information you need, including the stats and facts, the modifiable factors, and of course, some nutrition and lifestyle foundations to support your family growing goals. Because almost 100% of you listening and following us on Instagram are female. I am going to just hone in on female fertility here. However, just to note that male fertility is impacted by age too. So we simply cannot turn a blind eye to male preconception and fertility health at any age, but especially as we age. Now, a trigger and content warning here that today's episode does contain discussion regarding pregnancy loss. So if you would prefer not to hear this content at the moment, please protect your hearts, skip to another episode and reach out to the Pink Elephant Support Network. Their link is in our show notes for you and I'm sending you much love. So, Today's episode is quite similar to last week. So if you listened to last week's and that was relevant to you, listening to today's, if you're not in your 40s, probably isn't all that relevant to you. It's kind of a one or the other kind of situation. But if you're listening to both, you're really just going to get a good, you're going to really have some of these things drilled into you. But I'm going to start off with some stats like I did last time and transition into what we can actually be doing about some of these stats. So on average, Australian women are older when they become first-time parents in Australia. As of 2020, about 3% of Aussie first-time mothers are 40 and over. This has increased from 0.4% in the 1970s and 80s and 1.6% in 2001 and 2.6% in 2011. So there are definitely more first-time mothers over 40 today than ever before. And I think uh, parenthood and motherhood in the 40s decade has been glamorized and or discussed a lot in the media, particularly in relation to celebrities. And I think that's really interesting and I think it's a valuable conversation to be having. But what I often find is in these celebrity situations is that there is limited visibility over what it took to get some women pregnant in their 40s. Sometimes it's a donor egg, sometimes a donor embryo, sometimes gestational surrogate, sometimes it's countless rounds of IVF. And celebrities are going to have a lot more resource in terms of money and access to lawyers to be gestational surrogates and all these kinds of things than maybe the average person would. So I think it's really important that we take that 
image uh, with a bit of a grain of salt. And yes, I will humble us all with a little bit of statistics in a moment, but I don't share these statistics to scare people, to deter people, to instill fear in people, but to help provide knowledge and help to provide a complete picture because I think it's really easy to hear about your friend who got pregnant at 42 for the first time naturally and it only took two months and everything's fine and apply that to you and not really have that wider context of of how common uh, or likely that really is to happen. So anyway, we talk a lot about it in the media. The increase in age and becoming a parent is due to so many factors, but just some to touch on that education, career, financial stability. People want to be really financially stable before they have a baby. Sometimes that can take a really long time. Travel, other factors like relationships not working out or not finding the right partner if you want to have a partner or coming to terms with not finding partner but wanting a baby, so pursuing solo motherhood by choice at a later time, feeling like it's now or never. And I think for a lot of Australians, uh, what plays into this is as well the housing market, particularly in the eastern states. I live here in Sydney and housing prices are so astronomical and something that's important to many people, including myself, is to have a home to have a child. And I think that it takes so long for people to buy property now because of how astronomical the prices are, that that is having a role to play as well. I think most of us are constantly reminded, particularly in my clients who are in their 40s, about the very loud ticking clock. Our biology is loud at this age and it doesn't care about the price of houses or whether you broke up with your husband of 10 years. We enter this decade and our fertility rates really do shift dramatically from our 30s. So I am going to walk you through some of the stats and the, the I guess the biology of it. So our chances of pregnancy shifts and here are the key stats. Chance of unassisted conception on any given month at around the age of 25. So that means if you're having unprotected sex the right time with no other factors, you've got about 25% chance of getting pregnant. By age 30, this drops to 20%. By age 35, this drops to about 15%. And by the age of 40, this drops most dramatically to 5%. Now, many women I chat to in their 40s attribute this to the number of eggs declining with age, which is absolutely true. Eggs will decline as you get older in terms of the number. But a bigger factor here is the quality and the genetics of the egg. So let's explore why does age when it comes to female fertility, have such a big impact. First part is that we as females are born with all the eggs that we will ever have. We carry them from when our mum was pregnant with us at around 20 weeks pregnant through to today, up until we ovulate them and then they disappear. Now, to a degree, it means the longer we've been carrying our eggs for, the longer they've been exposed to different things that life has thrown at us, like partying in our 20s and maybe drinking too much or experimenting with certain drugs or smoking or crappy diet or all sorts of things that is naturally occurs over a life course. And we don't get that refresh button or that clean slate. Those eggs come with us that whole time. And of course, that 90 to 120 day window, which you'll hear us talk so much about, are most pivotal in terms of the health of the egg and protecting it from inflammation. But 
and other factors as well, of course. But it's undeniable that the longer that we carry those eggs, there's more chance that something is likely to affect them. So that is certainly part one. Men, in contrast, get to hit refresh every 64 to 74 days or so. And by then we'll have a whole new life cycle of sperm occurring. And so they do get a clean slate. And I think that contrast really serves paint that picture of how important it is to protect our eggs from as early as we can, not just, you know, the three months before we're trying to conceive. But anyway, it's a story for a different day. Um, My next point is that 20% of all human eggs are aneuploid. That means that they don't have the right number of chromosomes, either too much or too little. And as we age, the ratio of these aneuploid eggs rise relative to the euploid or chromosomally normal eggs. This means that as we age, the risk of miscarriage increases. The risk skyrockets in your 40s from around 25% in those aged 35 to 39 in terms of risk of a miscarriage to 51% in those aged 40 to 44 and a huge 93% for those 45 and older. In addition, the number of eggs decline as we age and this speeds up as we approach our late 30s and continues into our 40s. But egg number isn't the most important factor when it comes to conception. The genetics and the health of that egg is really the key. It may become more relevant in your 40s though if you start to notice things like your periods are becoming more irregular and excluding other causes, there can be some signs of perimenopause and this can be assessed by your doctor with hormonal blood work to assess where you're at and relevant interventions can be recommended by your fertility specialist from there. But it does become sometimes a bit of an issue if you're then not ovulating regularly because the ovarian reserve is really starting to dwindle when you are approaching that next phase in life as much as we don't like to talk about it because you are still in the trying to conceive mindset, it can be the case. Um, And some of that is genetically predetermined as to what your starting kind of egg count is and, and how that declines over your lifespan. And some of it's got to do with certain medical conditions you have or just bad luck. There's so much to that, but that's a really important thing to keep in mind is quality over quantity, but the quantity may become particularly more pertinent in this decade. I have linked a great article from The Conversation, which summarizes some of these stats as well. And it talks about how we anticipate that our fertility falls off a cliff at the age of 35, but it's really a much steadier and slower decline. And in fact, like from these statistics, you can see there's actually a much more marked change in fertility in this decade, in the 40s than it is the 30s. So yeah, I think that really kind of unpacks some of that fear of people in their late 30s. So anyway, you probably may be thinking at this point, sheesh, Steph, those stats are grim and undeniably they are really confronting. But like I always say to my clients and I will share with you, we don't have a time machine. We can't reverse age you. A tiny shred of good news, though, is that IVF success rates are improving. And for those in their 40s who choose to use IVF to find that golden egg a bit sooner rather than waiting month after month to try to find that golden egg, so to speak, naturally, 
For those aged 40 to 44, the live birth rate has increased to 10%, which represents a 27% increase in success rates over the past 10 years. Look, it's still not great. Don't get me wrong. 10% chance of having a live birth from IVF in that age range isn't great, but that does represent a significant increase over the past decade. So like I said, you can't reverse age yourself. You can't make an aneuploid egg go back to normal with diet, lifestyle, medication. So it becomes a situation of striving to continue trying until you find that golden egg, so to speak. Keep in mind that these errors in the egg having more or less chromosomes are completely random. So we can't test for them preconceptionally with a blood test like that we can say in IVF where we can assess the embryo once it meets sperm and has developed, we can assess that then. But other forms of genetic testing like preconception genetic carrier screening, that's actually looking at whether you carry any genes that you and your conception partner could then pass on to your child, which may impact their life. So conditions like cystic fibrosis, fragile X syndrome, or spinal muscular atrophy. And if you're an Australian, uh, come later this year, I believe November 2023, these will be these three genes will be Medicare funded to have tested, or you can go privately and at home do a saliva test to test, you know, up to, I think it's 500 different genes. And so even if you don't have a family history of any genetic concerns, you may be carrying something silently. And if your partner carries the same gene, then the statistics are about one in four chance that your child may be affected. And that could impact the health of your pregnancy, the length of your child's life and so on. So that's an important consideration and and to make informed decisions with a genetic counselor, with your doctor, if you are carrying those same genes together. So now that you know all those facts, and some of them may have startled you, which I apologize, that is not my intention, but I want to set the scene so that these next points really connect with you all. What are the modifiable and non-modifiable factors when it comes to trying to conceive? So I can't change your age. I can't change the age of your conception partner. I don't have a time machine. You don't either. Probably not a good use of our time or energy to try and build one. I can't change your family history. I can't change your underlying genetic code. I can't change the fact that there's more aneuploid eggs as you get older. We can change how some genes are expressed via our diet, our lifestyle environment, but we can't change the number of chromosomes. Uh, your medical history, as we get older, some medical conditions worsen. So things like endometriosis and adenomyosis, they're progressive. They do worsen as time goes on. If you had more and more surgeries, there's more and more scar tissue that can have an impact. We know that middle age women are at the highest risk of, of being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and that can impact your fertility. And some lifestyle things might start to catch up with you in this age range as well. So things like diabetes or insulin resistance, high cholesterol, which can all indirectly impact your fertility too. So what can we change and where can we focus our energies? Things like diet, nutrition, physical activity, environmental exposures like endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs for short, smoking, alcohol and drug use. Obviously, those three we want to uh, eliminate as close to zero as possible. So it's really important that we don't hyper-focus on age because 
I often see my clients and they often feel very defeated or dismissed because of their age. And it's not something that they can change. And it doesn't change their goal of wanting to have a baby for the first time or another baby. And so I think like whilst acknowledging the age factor and having those statistics is valuable so we have realistic expectations – I just don't think it's that helpful to continue to hyper-focus on something that we can't change, but rather we should then instead come up with a plan and focus on the things that we can be doing. And so here are my tips as a fertility dietitian to help support you trying to conceive in your 40s. Number one is before you start trying to conceive, even if it's not for the first time, is that you get some preconception lab work done with your GP before you even start trying. Yes, you can do this. And yes, you should do this. Most people are pretty shocked to find out that they can get a number of tests done with their GP before they even start trying to conceive to identify any potential barriers to conception and ensure you're in as healthy state as possible prior to conception. And that is strongly encouraged and GPs won't turn you away for seeking that out. Uh, Please book a long appointment with your GP. Number two is to know your timelines. If you feel that something is not right from the get-go, your period is painful, it's irregular, it's heavy, or you have a known medical history that could impact your fertility, or you've experienced a miscarriage or are suffering with recurrent pregnancy loss, seek help right away from a fertility specialist. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, just go straight to a fertility specialist. If you're over the age of 35, technically speaking, trying to conceive for six months before seeking help is otherwise the recommendation. Keep in mind that most specialists will have significant waiting times, usually three months or more. So give yourself three months prior to that finish line to get your referral in order with your GP and get that appointment booked in. And if you're pregnant, you can always cancel it, right? So that is not a stress. Number three is know your menstrual cycle. If you've not paid much attention to your periods and cycle before, then take this opportunity to get to know it better than just a red pen mark in your diary. Understanding the phases of the menstrual cycle, follicular phase, luteal phase, and start to familiarize yourself with signs of ovulating so that you can track this and narrow down your fertile window to time sexual intercourse. You won't believe how many people I meet in their late 30s and 40s who have just used an app for the longest time and didn't realize they were ovulating at a completely different time and were completely missing the boat, so to speak, every single month for over a year. There is truly nothing more frustrating than that. So nailing this early, even before you start actively trying to conceive, give yourself a few dummy cycles to test out your skills and learn your body properly Trust me, it makes the world of difference. Now, I said this in my last episode as well about trying to conceive in your 30s, but it is just so much more pertinent in your 40s. I tell my clients, the older we get, the more of these one percenters we need to be on our side when trying to conceive. So here are some of the strategies that I would suggest as a starting point with diet and lifestyle. Now, this does not include if you have an existing medical condition like PCOS or endometriosis, thyroid concerns, autoimmune diseases, diabetes, etc. You absolutely need personalized advice and I wouldn't compromise on that. These are just some foundational things to start thinking about. So number one is to take a prenatal multivitamin daily with the right amount of folate or folic acid for you. And you'll probably also need an omega-3 supplement too. 
This is for the health of your future pregnancy, but there are also other studies that have been done showing the benefits of your chances of conceiving are higher in those who are taking these types of supplements, particularly folate and omega-3s. The next one is, is that as we get older, especially over the age of 35, we have some data around using specific antioxidants like CoQ10 or ubiquinol, which is researched to be associated with enhanced embryo quality in those over the age of 35. Getting the right dose and form of ubiquinol for you is important. So chat to us in a prenatal supplement consult to get a complete plan. A more new kid on the block in the supplement world is NMN or NAD or nicotinamide riboside hydrochloride, I think is the one that we say, dinucleotide. Yes, anyway, acronyms. My second year biochemistry self would be really upset with my dismissal of getting that right, but the name of it is, is actually not that important, to be quite honest. So this is a coenzyme that is involved in energy production, and as we get older our level of NAD decreases and this decline is linked with numerous aging processes. Something that we can slow or reverse this artificially by restoring NAD levels with a supplement and this has some very early research in mice showing an ovarian rejuvenation effect. Human studies are currently underway. It's certainly experimental, but may be something to consider with your fertility specialist and fertility dietitian. I do have a full article I wrote about this, which I have linked in the show notes for you if you wish to read more about the research behind NMN and NAD. As always, with the above three things, don't just start taking a supplement because you heard about it on a podcast. Please make sure you get personalized advice. This is why we offer express prenatal supplement consults. The link for those bookings are in the show notes for you. Focus on colorful eating to max out those antioxidants to protect your precious eggs in their sprint to ovulation in that 90 to 120 day runway prior to conception. This will help protect them from any environmental damage, from toxin explosions, alcohol, other dietary factors and more. But note, we can't reverse an aneuploid egg back to normal. There are certainly limits to this, like I said. The next is to boost your seafood. Couples who consume more seafood boost their ability to conceive by about 61%. Aim for twice a week and prioritize oily fish species like salmon, ocean trout, sardines, and anchovies. And fun fact, couples that had more seafood had 22% more sex. So take that as you will. Minimizing alcohol to as close to zero as possible. Anecdotally, women in their 40s consume a lot more alcohol than you may think. There's more disposable income often to spend on better quality alcohol, going out with friends. It's the era of the 40th birthday party. Maybe a lot of your friends have already had small children out of the pregnancy and breastfeeding and trying to conceive windows. So by not drinking, you're kind of standing out a little bit and you don't want to. So you do it to like socially conform stress management, all sorts of things. So at the end of the day, our eggs don't love alcohol. So just two standard drinks per week in some studies in women have been linked with an increased risk of miscarriage. So we do have an episode on alcohol and fertility. I'll leave that linked in the show notes for you if you want some more details. Reduce your exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs from plastics, thermal receipts and food packaging, not to mention cleaning products, cosmetics, hair care and more. Safe to say that list is really overwhelming. EDCs like BPA, phthalates, and dioxins 
and more contain xenoestrogens, which can mimic our natural hormones, specifically estrogen, which can wreak havoc with our menstrual cycles and our egg health too. I'll link an episode with Lucy Lyons from Two Lines Fertility that dives into this topic in a lot more depth. I promise it is not as woo-woo as it sounds right now, and it is well worth a listen. The next is to move your body in a way that you enjoy and find the right amount of movement for you and build a routine around that. I am no exercise expert, but it's undeniable the benefits of exercise on our physical and mental health. And from a fertility standpoint, helping to get some blood flow happening and a healthy way of managing stress because trying to conceive can be stressful AF is going to certainly benefit you. Now, some people definitely overdo it though, so listen to our podcast episode with Courtney Pollack, accredited exercise physiologist, from her exercise physiology to learn more about the right amount of exercise when TTC. I've linked that in the show notes for you too. The next one is to get your sleep seven to nine hours a night. It's an absolute non-negotiable for your general health and your fertility health too, and I think If you are trying to conceive not for the first time and you have small children in your 40s, this is really hard. Melatonin is an important hormone for not just a good night's rest and helping you to get some sleep, but for IVF outcomes too. Plus, naturally, sleeping actually increases your NAD and NMN levels in your body on its own without the supplementation part. So that's a really important thing to consider is your sleep routine, how much sleep you're getting and what you can change to maximize how much uninterrupted sleep you're getting. And last but not least, and this one sucks to even utter, but manage your stress. A lot of people I see emotionally eat, overuse exercise, drown their sorrows with alcohol on a Friday night. And these coping strategies can really hurt your fertility. Stress itself, the jury is out on how this impacts conception, but naturally, the more you say don't stress when you feel the pressure of a very loud biological clock, the what-ifs and uncertainty of what lies ahead, it is really hard. So please seek some support. I will link some episodes we've done in the past about stress for you in the show notes as well, so you can get up to speed with that with our psychologist, Tanami Sonta from Fertility360 and some other guests as well. So to wrap up, whilst Trying to conceive in your 40s is undeniably challenging looking at the statistics. Not delaying seeking support here is the key. Extra TLC on the modifiable factors is definitely warranted and strongly recommended if you're planning to try for a baby in your 40s. Personally, I would recommend building your team from the get-go in terms of mental health support, nutrition support, a great doctor, all the key players to help make your baby dreams come true because you will need to lean on them. In general, I find my clients in this age bracket need a lot more support and need a lot more intervention from a nutrition standpoint than most of my other client groups. So I would really recommend linking in as soon as possible. I could absolutely go on and on. So if you are trying to conceive in your 40s, Just know that professional guidance support is what you need really to feel prepared. I can tell you that by listening to this podcast, it means you're at the exact right moment to take some tangible action so you can feel confident you've done all that you can out inventing a time machine in your backyard to go back in time 10 or 20 years. So 
This can help you feel like you're making positive and productive progress on your journey to expanding your family. An awesome starting point is our Fertility Nutrition Intensive. It's a two-hour, one-on-one session for you and your conception partner. If you have one, solo mamas to be are very welcome too. This is an opportunity to audit your diet, your lifestyle, your blood work, your fertility history, and build a custom nutrition and supplement plan to improve your chances of conceiving quickly and healthily wherever possible. And we can even point you in the right direction with any other healthcare providers as you need it as well. Link is below for you to book in for one of these very limited two-hour slots with myself and the dietologist team, and we can't wait to see you then. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to hit follow on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. It makes such a difference to our little podcast, reaching more people. And don't forget to share it with your partner, friend, family member, colleague, or just to your social media followers. Tag us on your stories at the underscore dietologist. We love to see it. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Just quickly, are you currently trying to conceive or are you on a fertility journey? If so, you can feel like there are 101 things you could or should be doing when it comes to your preconception or fertility health. It's easy to get overwhelmed really quickly. This is exactly why we created our preconception lifestyle checklist. It's one page for you and one page for your partner, categorized into supplements, diet, lifestyle and environmental factors, and we focus on the low-hanging fruit. These are simple but effective strategies known to help improve your health and well-being for fertility and also for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby too. Over 5,000 people have downloaded it already. Do you want your free copy too? Head to the link in the show notes now to swipe your free checklist. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connections to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to First Nation cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people tuning in today. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation.